Hey, it's Brendan Gennetti. You're listening to Music You're Missing. And today we're speaking with a very special guest, founder of Mutual Friends Management, Jesse Corin. Mutual Friends is a New York-based artist management collective consisting of Quinn 92, AOK, Chelsea Cutler, Jeremy Zucker, and more. Jesse is calling in today to talk about his story and share some advice for independent artists as well as aspiring music industry professionals. This is the first episode that is part of a new series where I'll be speaking with music industry professionals about their journey and getting some advice for you guys. If you're new here, Music You're Missing is typically an artist interview podcast and Spotify playlist that highlights music you don't want to miss. So if that sounds like something that might be up your alley, definitely go check out the Music You're Missing Spotify playlist streaming now on Spotify. I just added a bunch of my favorite tracks from Mutual Friends artists to the top of the playlist right now. So go jam out. While you're following things, feel free to subscribe to the Music You're Missing podcast wherever you're listening to be updated whenever we upload a new episode. On a personal note, I am really excited and honored for Jesse to call in because the artists on Mutual Friends played a huge part in my interest in a career in music. So this is really an exciting opportunity for me, to be honest. Uh, And he's going to call in 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 just a moment. But unfortunately, you've listened to podcasts before. You know the drill. I got some spawn con. BeatStars is the world's number one digital music marketplace that allows music creators to sell their products worldwide. From beats, loops, and sound kits to vocals, lyrics, graphic design, and video editing, dozens of top-charting songs from the past few years were made on BeatStars or created by BeatStars producers, including the literal longest number one song ever, Lil Nas X's Old Town Road. So whether you're an independent artist, singer, songwriter, rapper, A&R, or label, there are millions of beats available to you on BeatStars. You can also distribute your music through BeatStars, making this a great all-in-one platform. BeatStars is free to use for beginners, but you know BeatStars is hooking our listeners up because Music You're Missing listeners can get a free one-month premium subscription to open their own virtual music store by going to BeatStars.com MYM and using the code MYM free. Again, that's BeatStars.com MYM and the code is MYM free. So thank you to BeatStars for sponsoring this episode and for sponsoring something that has yet to be announced that is coming soon that is really super freaking cool and I can't wait to tell you guys. But without further ado... Let's get Jesse Corin, founder of Mutual Friends, on Music You're Missing. Jesse Corin, founder of Mutual Friends, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? I'm good, man. You know, Mondays are always hectic, but everything's good. Can't complain. Mondays are hectic. I literally just uh, set my Slack notification to please do not bother me until tomorrow. I'll see a great idea. <laughs> I think everyone's in the same boat of just trying to catch up and like regroup and then start the week. Yeah. So it definitely is a little bit more internal. I try to like do no meetings really on Mondays just to be as like dialed in on everything we need to sort of get done and what we needed to catch up on from the weekend and, yeah. and all that. Well, cool. I mean, you mentioned meetings, obviously referring to mutual friends for the listeners who might just be learning about mutual friends. Can you tell me just a little bit more about what it is and the company's mission? Sure. Yeah. We're um, a New York-based artist management company and we you know, manage a number of recording artists. And the mission of the company is to, to really like just bring good to the universe through art and music. I think as I've kind of gotten further into the business and being in the position that I'm in as a manager, I think I've realized just how much just really how important our job is, you know, and how important an artist's job is of being able to kind of be a voice for others and give people positive experiences and comfort them and, and just provide a lot of support. 
that's really become the mission is to kind of support our artists and help them execute their vision and, and live out their dreams. And by way of that, also connect and just add a lot of value and positivity to the world and to our fans and, and listeners and audience. Are you the sole artist manager or are there other managers under Mutual Friends? We have a team of four and I started the company, you know, essentially I started alone. So I don't know if it was really a company when I started it, but I started as sort of a sole manager for the clients that I manage. And then since then, obviously it's grown and I have an incredible team that supports me on everything. So it's hard to say like, yes, I obviously sort of sit at the top and am the sort of primary manager, I guess you could say, or the the parent manager, but everyone obviously supports me in everything that we're doing. So uh, it's it's very much an all hands on deck type of company. That's awesome. I think something that's really interesting about Mutual Friends is the fans follow it. Like you guys have like 14,000 followers on Instagram. I feel like you don't see that with a lot of artists. Like no one really cares about the back end of things. Why do you think the fans care about their, you know, their favorite artist management? I think it depends. I think it's really cool that we live in a time and sort of an uh, industry now where there's a lot more visibility to what goes on behind the scenes that really wasn't the case. I graduated college in 2010. So like in 2007 was my freshman year. And that's when I started to think about getting experience in the music business and and ultimately ended up interning at a company that I then went and worked at for a number of years. And there was just very limited like exposure to what happened behind the scenes in music. I had no idea what a manager was. I don't really know that many people did when I would talk about what I was doing and and how I was, you know, what I was doing for my internship. So I think it's cool now that people are able to sort of get a a more inside look just through social media. And I just think things are a little bit more transparent. So there's a much better understanding for just the average person or whether they're just a music fan or they are aspiring to get into the business or whatever the case may be. So I think part of it is probably that. I think the bigger part, what maybe differentiates us a little bit is that I like to say that Mutual Friends is, is a community in the sense that like there's a lot of a lot of the artists share parts of their fan bases with each other. And there's this kind of like collective vibe in the sense of there's a lot of crossover. Like mm-hmm. I think if you're fans of one of the artists, you you ultimately may and do become a fan of some of the others. So I think just because of that and, and the nature of their collaborations between each other and whatnot, I think it's kind of been one of those things where a lot of the people that follow, it's not just that they're a one of the artists or their favorite. A lot of them, I think it's that, that multiple are their favorite artists or in their top favorite artists. So I think when you peel back the layers and you realize that people are becoming a little bit more invested in kind of what we're doing, which might differentiate us a little bit from your typical management company. Definitely. You, you actually mentioned prior to Mutual Friends, you were at DGI Management. I'm actually kind of curious to learn more about why did you pivot to managing independently or, you know, go on to, to founding mutual friends? Like what was, what was the rationale behind that? And like, what's kind of the risk and rewards with making that type of career move? So I, like I mentioned, I started interning at DGI in 2007, the two partners, Yoni and Damon are like my big brothers. They were, I mean, they, I started working for them when I was 17. So they like (laughs) Like I owe them so much. They were, they've just been like family. And I think a lot of what I learned and just a lot of like growing up, I think happened underneath them. So they definitely shaped a lot of who I am and just a lot of like my style as, as a manager. 
and sort of some of the fundamentals. They also supported me when it came time to, you know, bringing on Quinn and then AOK as my first two clients that I, you know, still manage today. That all happened when I was working there. So they definitely empowered me to sort of build my own roster and all that. You know, they definitely do something slightly different. Their focus and their niche is more in like the celebrity DJ and open format DJ space. Mm-hmm. So while there was so much value and while I learned so much, they sort of existed a bit in a different space. I think after being there a little while, as hard as it was, because again, like it was, you know, leaving family, just being in a different space. And I think learning as my time with Quinn and AOK grew and I started to navigate that side of the business, more of like the music industry and the pop side of things. I think it just, it became clear that like, we were sort of occupying in different spaces a little bit. So Mm. eventually I just had this kind of urge and vision to kind of go out and do it on my own and sort of build something that that leaned a little bit more into what I was doing. And that was probably the main cause of ultimately separating. Fortunately, I literally just got off the phone with with Yoni, one of the partners uh, five minutes ago, literally before this, and we still keep in touch and we're friends to to this day. So that was definitely the, I think the, the main realization. And as far as the question of, what does that kind of entail and what are the kind of risks and rewards? I, I mean, I think it's definitely scary kind of going out and doing it on your <laughs> own. I had a really close relationship with Quinn and AOK and, and ultimately Chelsea was the next artist that I was sort of in the process of signing when I left the company. And there's nothing better than sort of building something yourself, like, and really shaping what it is that you want to do, the culture, the vision, the the brand. Like, I think that feeling is is unlike anything. I think any entrepreneur would say the same thing. Like mm-hmm. there's just an obsession that you have. Um, so I think the, the reward being able to say that you kind of shaped something and you were able to kind of build something from the ground up and you have so much influence in what that becomes, I think that that's really exciting. Of course, the scary part is being alone, you know, and not really having people to lean on. Fortunately, I have a lot of friends other managers who are independent managers who we all lean on each other. And especially early on when we were all kind of navigating it and knew a lot less, uh, it became really helpful having them. But I think also like I give a ton of that credit to the artists who are equally empowering in terms of wanting me to go out of my own and really build something that we were sort of building together. And so I think when you have that support from the artists, you just feel really confident that you could do it. I think I was just really fortunate that, you know, they believed in me as much as I believed in them um, and still do. And and I think that probably was the ultimate confidence that I needed to, to go out and do it on my own. Definitely. I mean, energy, like for me really matters. I need people to meet me. Like if I'm obviously really passionate and positive about this project, then I need people to be the same. And if they're not, then it's actually going to affect me and like make me not perform to the best of my abilities. 100%. I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned through many years and different shapes of what the company had sort of been and whatnot. Like you just really need to, um, I think when you really, really believe in something, it's hard to, to expect anyone to necessarily put in a, and be as obsessed, but you just want to be working with people and be in situations where everyone's like kind of visions and goals are aligned. And I think that to your point, it's like, there's just something so valuable in that, in having people really all share in that, again, for lack of better words, obsession uh, yeah. with, with what the goal is, you know? And I think when you have that, like the output is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's where you're like working at your best. 
Definitely. I mean, I'd, I'd love to pivot a little bit and just ask you for some advice on behalf of independent artists. A lot of our listeners are in fact independent artists. And if there's anyone who can help them out, it's certainly you. So here's a question for you that I personally get a lot. When should an independent artist consider getting a manager and what should an artist look for in a manager? When is, is that, that answer I feel like has changed a lot. And I think somebody else, another manager who, who puts out a lot of content to aspiring artists and stuff has said this. And I think it's really just very well said is I, I honestly think that like, we're just in this, this stage in the business where there's so much that an artist can do on their own. Mm -hmm. And I don't really think that, like, I think the time is when you're just, you've done too much on your own where you're just, you've exhausted all your resources. And when, when people are coming to you, like, I just really think that now artists are between a combination of the business sort of getting earlier and earlier in terms of like their research and their their interest in bringing things on like from labels to managers it's like you can't be early enough anymore you know like people really are just getting it earlier and earlier in, in artists careers but between that being the case and also the, like i said the, the resources being at the artist's sort of fingertips these days like and how much more they can do on their own i really think that the right time is when there's enough going on where that interest is incoming you know you hear a lot of people that are like i need a manager i need a manager and the truth is like sure everyone does and at some point you will but a lot of times you don't as soon as you think you do and you know look there's also cases where if the right opportunity comes early i, I don't feel like you should avoid having a manager early on because i would be a hypocritical to say that because i started so early with all my acts and obviously we've been fortunate that those relationships have worked out and i think it's been incredible because of that mm -hmm. um but, you know, like I was definitely chasing them. It wasn't like they were selling me, you know, and I think that's the big, that's the big difference. Like you should have people at your doorstep, really, really, really passionate, whether you're, whether you haven't put out any music or you put out a ton, it should be incoming because I think if it's incoming, you're just going to have the most passionate person. Um, and to answer the next question, I think that that is it. Like, of course, um, experience and and knowledge and and you know their relationships and their reputation and all those things are super important i think that their passion level their dedication all of that is, is probably with the exception of of course their moral compass are they a great person do you guys vibe well all that kind of stuff i think just anyone who in my position as a manager i think anyone who cares enough and who's as, as passionate and, and kind of obtains all those other qualities can do it and can figure it out and can be a really, really great asset to your team. I would be lying if I didn't say otherwise, because I think I was probably in a similar case when I started managing, you know, all my artists early on. And it was really more my passion and my dedication that I think is what made me like the better fit than a bigger manager who had yeah. more experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a great point. Just from my personal experience, we're, we're in the process of throwing like our first live show and I was talking to this booking manager to, to book their artists and they just wouldn't get back to me, but the artist really wanted to. And the, the payment, the guarantee payment that we were giving him is more than any other, any other like company would give him. And the booking managers didn't answer like four of my emails. So we eventually just booked it independent of him, but still I'm like, dude, like you can't have that guy on your team if he's not giving you his all. Totally. I mean, you have to be a priority. You have to be. And again, it's like, you could have the biggest team member, whether whatever side of that team it is, manager, you know, attorney, label, anyone, right? And if you're not 
getting the focus, then you're getting like a, a great person who's not adding any value, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's just not like, it doesn't really matter if it's not translating to your own career, mm-hmm. what they can do, what they've done. Yeah. And another question I get is, of course, TikTok seems to be all the rage these days, but is it actually? I'm curious, what are some ways you're seeing artists leverage TikTok both successfully and unsuccessfully? It definitely is in the sense that it's all the rage in the sense that like it's what the industry is most obsessed with right now. Mm -hmm. You know, is it the only thing in the world that matters? Absolutely not. Is it the biggest you know, driver in terms of music consumption or discovery. Sure. Right now. Yeah. My take is like, I think it's an amazing thing for discovery. I think it's an amazing thing for artists to reach their fans or to find fans. And I think that you have to, as an artist, be utilizing the platform. I mean, it's just like to not be is just crazy because of all the opportunity that exists. So I think that like, you know, I've seen plenty of artists do an amazing job on the platform of just building a fan base, you know, and, and connecting with their audience and having songs really connect and you, you really just cutting through the noise and, and ultimately leading to so much opportunity. And I think that that's amazing. And I've seen tons of artists doing that. Some I, I see utilizing the platform really well and maybe even haven't had that break yet, but I'm kind of like, they're going to because they're doing such a great job on the platform. And then there's, of course, now we know over the last two years, dozens, if not hundreds of, of artists who have sort of had records break through. But contrary to that is I think I've seen too many people only use it. And I think that's where people are wrong. I think that you still need to pay attention to all other platforms and other just ways of developing. Like I think artist development still exists the same way. And I think you still need to do all of the other sort of things that you would normally do. I think a lot of people sort of like they focus on TikTok to sort of cast a wide net and hope that something comes in, but then these things come in and they don't know how to follow it up. They don't know how to, you know, actually have that person become a real fan as opposed to just somebody who liked a video that they put on, you know, like that to me, TikTok is like creating opportunity to, you know, get in front of new people, but it's what you do with that opportunity of having those new people in front of you. That makes the difference. That's, I think what's going to make a long-term fan and ultimately what will make career artists. So I think that the people that are just thinking about virality and are just thinking about how they can have overnight success um, and aren't thinking about, you know, what they're going to offer as an artist that's different than others. They're the ones who I don't think are utilizing it well. Mm -hmm. That's super helpful. I'm trying to think back. I forget who the artist was exactly that we interviewed, but they experienced a viral moment. But whatever their distributor was and like their merch or whatever, whatever that, that went viral that they were trying to sell, they didn't have like the back end to support it. So it, so many people were trying to click, but it just wasn't working because they just didn't get that far. They were just aiming for the virality and not like the sustainability of it. Totally. It's crazy. I mean, and, and in ways I understand, like you're an artist that, you know, you're in your bedroom and you've never really done any of this and you're just cranking out content. And, and I get that that's sort of what you need to do. It's like, you, you may not really even, think that it's ever going to actually happen. So you're not really like prepared in that sense. But I just think that like, you know, unfortunately the business has pressured artists and not just new artists, like everyone now, you know, we deal with it all the time with, with my artists, like everyone is pressured for this overnight success and this, this like this virality and all that. And it's, it's just putting a lot of pressure on things that are, that are not sustainable in a box. It's how then you make those things sustainable or the most important part. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, just those moments come and go super quickly. And that's kind of the time we're in. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to hear what advice you have for artists that are trying to grow their community and brand beyond social media. I mean, I think one that I, I look back on early and was, was hugely effective for us was just getting on the road, you know, and I, I think like just getting in front of people in real life is is still just as valuable. I think that another big thing just from experience is like really like collaboration and, you know, connecting with other artists that kind of could share a similar fan base or that you're just inspired by or that you really like or that you'd want to associate with. I think just those relationships are super important. So like everyone's kind of always reaching for what's ahead of them in terms of like a collaboration or, you know, a cosign or whatever, but like your peers are just as valuable, you know, and and if not, sometimes they're more valuable because you're growing together. Mm -hmm. And like if one of those people ends up having that moment, because if you're a fan and you believe in them, even though right now they might be at that still that really early level, like you are, I'm sure you feel like they're going to have their moment and to sort of be aligned and watch people come up together is really exciting. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity in just cross-pollination in a sense and kind of coming up together and finding those people who like you want to associate with, and there's this mutual respect for each other. And I think there's just this natural kind of organic thing that ends up happening where you'll find yourself discovering new fans just off of the association. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't need like any access to the industry to do that. You know, I mean, everyone's people are doing that just online. People are doing that, you know, in DMS. And like, if you're reaching for people that you're a fan of and you feel like there's this connection and that there's this kind of synergy I'm sure that those people will feel the same way. And you'll probably feel that you'll, you'll probably find that you'll get a, a lot of reception for that. So that's the, those are two things that I think still, and there's dozens, but I think those are two things that are still super, super important. Of course, there's all, always like, you know, the more traditional editorial and press and cosigns more in that sense, or just, you know, support or exposure you can get from that. And a lot of that still can be done without having really any relationships, as long as you're putting out good music and you're yeah. sort of, putting it together and packaging it in a way that cuts through the noise, then you should of course be doing all of that as well and trying to find your fans. And whether that's literal fans like the general public or those are fans within the industry and at the different DSPs and blogs and and all that. Definitely. Well, I can tell you our artists are definitely going to appreciate all of that insight um, that was spoken so more eloquently than I I could have provided. (laughs) And that was super helpful for me as well. But going off that, I kind of want to selfishly use your time to give some advice for managers. And like specifically on a personal note, um, I've been tuning into mutual friends for a while. I was at UMass. I think Chelsea Cutler was at Amherst. And I was like, whoa, this she's the same age as me. And she's like thriving in the industry. I can do that on the industry side of things. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, definitely a large part of why I pursued a career in the industry. But I'm curious, um, someone who might want to make that pivot to artist management, but not just, you know, from scratch, like they've got some some foundation laid. What type of advice would you give someone that's looking to become an artist manager full time? Building relationships, figuring out what you can offer to other people in exchange for an opportunity to learn from them. And there's a lot of means of doing that. Similarly, like we were talking about with artists, there's so much opportunity and just, there's so many ways to connect. There's so many ways to uh, learn from other people now. And some of that's, you, you don't even realize it's like, you don't have to be in the office with that person. I mean, there's just so much you can, there's just so many resources to learn about how to break into the business how to be a manager or whatever side of the business you want to be on. So I think it's really just like being resourceful with what's out there 
and finding ways that you can sort of learn from other people and maybe find ways that you can add unique value to those people, like I said, in exchange for learning from them. And the other thing is like simultaneously, just like find artists that you're passionate about. Like, I think if you can find that and and that doesn't always come right away, right? Like some people, as did I, like you learned from getting amazing opportunities to work around other people who then help you navigate and learn. And ultimately you can find your roster or, or maybe you're just working across, you know, a roster that you're really excited about and you can grow your career that way. But at the same time, just find an artist that you love, you know, even if it's somebody that you're, and a new one, like somebody that you can actually kind of become a part of that team. Mm-hmm. And even if that's not the one that you're, necessarily that it works out for the long term or whatever it is. Maybe it's somebody that already has a manager, but they're still early on and they could use the help because there's not really enough, you know, money coming in yet for them to hire out a full team. Like any experience is good because any experience will, will usually lead to a, obviously you'll gain knowledge. B, you'll typically just, it'll open doors um, and see if, if you have success, you know, then with that artist or what you're doing there, you may never need to go another, you might just keep going and doing what you're doing. And that could be all you ever do, you mm-hmm. know? So I think there's plenty of opportunity for anybody. I just think it's about how smart you are and how much effort you put into using it. Do you think someone who wants to be an artist manager should pay attention to metrics and analytics, or do you think it's, it's, uh, rely more heavily on how passionate you are about their potential growth? Um, I mean, you can't ignore it, you know, like I, again, I, I think that no matter what the, the metrics could be amazing. And if you don't love it, I personally just like, don't do it. That's my opinion, because I just think that as a manager, you're just too invested <clears throat> in them personally. You're too close to it. There's it's so, it's such a close relationship that, you have to love the person and the project and the, you know, everything about the artist, because otherwise you deal with so much stuff and you go through so much stuff, especially not even, especially early on always that if like that level of passion isn't there, it's just going to become, it's not going to be as fun. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to be fun in order to really do an amazing job and get through a lot of the challenges that come with being a manager. And I feel that way about being an, if you're an artist too, I think that's the same advice, you know, for, for that, like you have to have fun, you have to love what you're doing because you just go through so much that if you, if, if you don't, it's not worth it. But yeah. So I think of course, if the metrics are great, if the numbers are great and you are a fan and you love, you know, the project and you see the vision and all that, then yeah, maybe that's a, a better bet than, something that hasn't, someone that hasn't put out music yet, but you really love. But I don't think that it's kind of like mutually exclusive. I think you can kind of, I think that the metrics and all that stuff have to come sort of secondhand or like a 1A and a 1B to how much you actually love and believe in the project. Definitely. I have one more question for you in regards to being an artist manager. I feel like there's a stigma around working music specifically in management that you have to be married to your career. Uh, do you agree with that? And how do you practice like a work-life balance when music and fans, like they can interact with artists 24-7? I am probably not, <laughs> probably not the best person to give advice on how to separate because, because unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, yes, it's definitely like a lot of my life. I have yeah. a, an amazing life outside of, outside of my job. And so, and it's funny, actually, it's something that I've thought a lot about as the company is growing and I've had this conversation very, very recently with even a lot of my team is like, I think I've always been extremely like married to the job and um, well, 
I, I also am married. So, um, but fortunately <laughs> my wife is, uh, actually like the reason that all of this came about and is the reason that I, that I, I met Quinn who then ultimately became the start of my, of my current roster. But wow. Shout out. What, what's yeah. your wife's name? Shout Becca. Shout out Becca. Thank you, Shout Becca. Becca. <laughs> uh, she our mutual friends, but yeah, like, I think, again, I think that's really just because I love it. Like I love my artists. I love the people I work with. I love what I do. So I think that's allowed me to sort of be as truthfully, sometimes it's like, I'd rather be doing that or I'd rather be working on something relating to my job than watching a movie or something like that. Yeah. But I do think that the balance is really important. And as I've become, again, as I'm, as I'm starting the, the company's starting to grow and I'm starting to kind of build this culture, I'm really trying to spend a lot of my time adjusting and like encouraging everybody to find that balance. And again, that balance is going to be so different for everybody. And I see that already, you know, with everyone that we work with. I think that that balance is really like a personal thing. I think some people need different type of separation. Some people need a different daily routine. Different things are important to different people in terms of what they need in their personal life. And I do think it's really important to find the balance because the business is very, especially the job of a manager is very 24 seven. You can definitely do this job without sort of being married to your career, because I don't want to say that you can't because that's not fair. I think you should be able to have great work-life balance. I think you should live a healthy lifestyle. I think you need to take care of yourself mentally first before you know any job. So you can do that. And I think you absolutely should. But I think finding whatever that balance is, is going to be different for every person. Because if you don't find that balance, you will end up doing this around the clock and you will end up feeling like you are married to the job. Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky, again, that my wife is so supportive and is so close with the artists and feels so much personal investment in what, what I do um, and has seen it from the beginning. So I'm really lucky that that's the case. There is a little bit of the nature of the 24-7 element of this job that is unavoidable. It doesn't mean every day needs to be 24-7, but you know, this is definitely not a job where you get to the office at nine, you leave at six, you shut off your phone and that's it. It's never going to be that. I think if you want to be in management and, and that's something that's important to you, it's not the job for you. But if you really love the job and you want to do the job and that's okay, but you still like everyone can find their balance doing the job, but you have to be okay with sort of putting others before yourself at times and dealing with things that might not come at convenient times and being on call for a lot of things and, you know, giving up a lot of like your personal plans and things that might be happening on a weekend when, you know, you have to be at a show somewhere or you have to be somewhere and all your friends are doing this. Right. But I think that exists for a lot of jobs, I think particularly in, in what we do. But again, I think that it is important to find your balance. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's super validating. I think so many people tell you that like you need a work-life balance or, you know, work shouldn't be the most important thing in your life or whatever. But and like you said, sometimes it's fun. Like sometimes I don't mind devoting my whole week to it if I have to. Like, again, totally. it's just picking and choosing when and, and realizing you're in control of your schedule and, and the balance whenever that may be. For me, outside of like my family, and work is the most important thing to me outside of my family. Again, I'm lucky that I love what I do. So for me, that's a choice because I think that my work is, a lot of it is, is personal. You know, my relationships and work are personal. There's a lot of enjoyment that comes from it. So that's me. And I, like I said, you do need to find your balance, but you have to also know that 
this isn't your typical nine to five job where you can shut off. That's mm-hmm. just never going to be what it is. But if you can accept that, but also find the balance and make sure you're looking after your own mental health and you know yourself at the times you really need to, and there's that communication. I think that's one of the biggest things too, is the communication of that. You know, I think we are constantly, we are in a position in what we do to like really make sure that we're looking after a lot of people. We put ourselves in that position and we make that promise to the artists So we have to take that seriously and we have to be there and we have to, you know, and a lot of that means the 24 seven nature of it. But I think a lot of that is just communication too. You know, I think if you're communicating that and you have great team members or artists who understand, I think on all fronts, that's just something, if you're communicating that, then I think you can sort of find even more of that balance. Wow. Jesse, thank you very much. I feel like this conversation has been like an encyclopedia of how to music industry. So I appreciate it. I feel like I have a lot to learn. I mean, not I feel like I know I have a lot to learn too. And you're always learning, but I do appreciate that. If that could help. (laughs) Yeah, I might have to print out the transcript, start selling it on Amazon. Um, (laughs) But anyhow, I'm curious, you know, obviously you have a lot to be proud of. Um, I stole this from TikTok, actually. What is something that, you know, the general public might not know of that you're actually proud of? Um, I'm a new father. I have a nine month old. Congrats. Girl, thank you. And so that's definitely like, I mean, that's number one. Yeah. You know, that's, that, I wouldn't say that that's something that no one knows. It's funny. I actually started writing a list of things that I'm proud of, like work-related things. Cause you forget a lot of, of things as, as time goes on, you're like, oh shit. I like, I forgot about whatever it is. Like something came up in an interview the other day, Chelsea was doing a performance in New York it was for She Is The Music, which is an amazing organization that empowers women in music. And at one point in the, in her, like, you know, in the performance, she was just talking and she was saying how, like, she obviously produces a lot of her own music and, and at the beginning produced all of her own music and still does most of it. And very just, unfortunately, I don't think that, that there's enough female producers and I don't think that enough people empower females to have a hand in their own production. And she was saying how, you know, just that, early on she was doing all this stuff and that I really saw the vision and really empowered her to, to not give up the reins on making the music and to actually produce that overall music. And her first single was called your shirt and it's now a gold record. She was telling that story. And it was like something where I was like, I haven't thought about that in forever, but I'm really proud of that. Like, I'm really proud that I empowered her and ultimately that she empowered herself. Yeah. Um, it was definitely not just me to to do that because I think it shaped a lot of like her career and, and stuff that both of us value a lot in terms of like, you know, empowering women in music. So anyway, that just motivated me to start actually making a list of work-related things that I'm proud of that I don't think about enough. So that's definitely one of those. I mean, I think just even like the culture that we built in terms of creating a place where people are supportive of each other, that artists that are friends trying to take what is a very competitive business and, and we're still super competitive, of course, but tried to sort of create a little bit more of a family dynamic and really like get relationships and friendships out of the business that will last a lot longer, I think, than anyone's careers will. And I think that's really amazing. So I think that's something I'm really proud of. And I want to continue to sort of do that. And I'd want that to continue to be sort of in the DNA of of what we do, you know, collectively. So yeah, those are two uh, of the sort of work-related things, I think, as well. Well, congrats. My very final question for you, what goals do you have left for yourself and your artists? Um, you know, continuing to kind of hit new 
milestones, you know, like I think there's of course like the, the literal ones, the, you know, playing MSG and having a big record and, you know, having a top uh, number one, there's a lot of like the, the metrics sort of things that of course, like I think with anyone that there's, that's a goal. Mm-hmm. It's become honestly less of a goal of mine. It, it's never, I shouldn't say it's less of a goal. I, I think it's ranked somewhere. I think a lot of the, the, the sort of in a weird way, like intangible things like having a number one record and stuff like that, while they're obviously goals, they're not, they're not as like meaningful to me as some of the more personal things and things that like really affect other people. And and obviously by way of having a big record, stuff like that, there's the other things that we can then do to impact people. I think a big goal is to sort of focus a little bit more on like the charity component of the business. And it's something that we're really starting with small right now, but like, I really do want, and I've seen a lot of companies that I really admire who have done a really great job of like bringing philanthropy into their company mm-hmm. uh, and making that like, you know, almost its own arm that ends up becoming like bigger and it's, you know, like separate and even bigger sometimes than the music. Um, so that's definitely something that like is a big goal of mine. I want to have like a, um, I want to have a really like great, almost like self-standing division, you know, dedicated to philanthropy in the company um, and do it in ways, obviously, that we can sort of use what we do on the music side with the artists to kind of yeah. do some of that so that it's different. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think just like continuing to do what we do now in 20 years, you know, like I think really like have real long, you know, long-term career artists and like to be, to be working with everybody that I do now in, in, you know, many, many years to come. Like, I think that's a really good, like, I think, I think a real sign of success is like how long you can sort of build and, and sustain a healthy, great relationship and career. Um, And I think that that's something in a business that's very like, you know, overnight, you know, quickly chasing the next and whatnot. I think being able to do that, and there's a lot of companies that I see have done that, and, and I, I also admire. I think that that's a really important thing for us. Um, and yeah, you know, and then of course the things that are still goals today that are goals every day of just, like I said, you know, kind of um, executing the artist's vision, you know, doing things that help them change their lives and 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 make them happy. Um, you know, continuing to do that with, with other, you know, newer artists and people, um, down the line and, um, and, you know, give people amazing experiences and, and just affect and change and, um, you know, make a positive impact on, on other people. Um, yeah, I think that's the most powerful thing that we, we, we have, we, we have the ability to do. So it's crazy to not, you know, make that a really big focus. We're working on a couple of things now um, on a much smaller scale to start, but like we are working with this amazing company, Amplify, and we're trying to, or we're, we're starting to basically create a program to um, bring artists into children's hospitals when they're on tour. So have them play, uh, you know, an acoustic set or do a Q&A for, um, you know, for children's hospitals uh, while they're out on the road, you know, people that can't come to the shows. So we were doing a couple um, with Chelsea and a few other artists this fall. Um, so it's kind awesome. of like a trial, which I'm yeah, I'm really excited about. It's like, you know, just we'll, we'll do a handful um, just to kind of like make sure that it and I want to do it, obviously, with our artists first. But I, I do want it to be something that we go way beyond just ours. Um, but I want to get, you know, like a real proof of concept down. And then 
by spring of next year, I want to have like a proper, you know, plan to go out and hopefully get, you know, dozens of, 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 of people to come in and do that every, um, every, you know, season. Um, so yeah, stuff like that. You know, I just think we have so much, um, ability to just, you know, whether it's to raise money or to, to, you know, like I said, make a positive impact on people. Like we're, we're lucky that we're in that position. So it's just, it feels crazy to not, you know, get back. So yeah, those are, that's definitely a big focus, um, that I'm trying to just spend a little bit more time doing. Yeah. I mean, well, good for you for even identifying that as like a potential endeavor. I'm so excited to see the philanthropic part of, of mutual friends. I feel like that could be really fun. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for, for calling in. I really appreciate it. Like I said, you're our first industry person that we're, we're talking to. And I'm so stoked because I've been like a huge mutual friends fan for so long. I appreciate that, man. And, and I appreciate having me on. I have to ask um, to throw it back at you. What, what about you guys? What's your goal? What's, you know, what's, what's a big goal for you guys going forward? Dude, honestly, we're like in our moment right now. I'm throwing my first show. Also at Berkeley, getting my master's degree. So I'm almost done. Um, but yeah, we're, we have some really great artists coming on and, and we're really starting to get some traction. So I just want to turn it into more of like a full-time endeavor and like have shows consistently and then transition to artist management, which has like always been my, my goal. Amazing. Well, that's exciting, dude. Um, is as the live thing been, have you have experience in the live stuff or, or, uh, so I've done like, so speaking of charity, we actually, I just threw this like backyard, totally nothing I did was legal, um, event at my friend's house in Boston. And we raised over $1,200 for charity, which I thought was like pretty sick considering it was just in our, our backyard. Um, that's but yeah, so that was like my test run, but now we're, we're we have our first show December 8th at the middle East in Boston. Oh, wow. That's exciting, dude. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm stoked. <laughs> <laughs>